The people who do things best are experimenting. They're experimenting with different platforms. They're understanding that not every post is going to be a hit. The top people on the platform, the LinkedIn influencers with millions of followers, not every post is a hit, right? You have to sort of get a sense of what works for you, what's comfortable. And I think that's something that Mita Malik, who's the head of DEI at Carta, really does well is she tests, she learns, and she sees everything as the opportunity for growth. This is Brand Story, a podcast celebrating the stories of real people who are making an impact on brands, business, and the world around them. My guest today is Callie Schweitzer. Callie is the Global Creators Program Lead at LinkedIn. And before LinkedIn, Callie worked at Thrive Global as Managing Editor and Chief Content Officer. And she also worked at Time as the Editorial Director for Motto, Time's Millennial Women's Platform, which is pretty impressive. Hi, Callie. Welcome to the program. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Big fan. Oh, thank you. That's That means a lot coming from you. Like I've been following you and Marketers Must Read and, and your work on LinkedIn for years now. And... I'm very impressed with everything you do. So having you say anything kind about our podcast means a lot to me. Thank you. Well, uh, my content is only as good as my community. It's all about the conversation. So I always look forward to when I post seeing your comment and what you bring because it always starts more conversation. Yeah, you, your all's content and your content in particular, I think, is really, really incredibly well done and thoughtful and empathic and all the good things that content should be. So you've worked at LinkedIn for almost two years now. Uh, what has that experience been like for you? I know it's a very different place to work than where you were before. Yeah, so it's funny because I started during the pandemic. And I remember I got my job offer at the end of March 2020. And they said, hey, can you start June 1st, right? Wouldn't it be great to start in person? And I thought it would be so great to start in person. That'd be, right? that'd be awesome. They've got the cafeteria. They've got all these cool workspaces. <laughs> awesome. Can't wait. Right. And I wasn't even in person by June 1st, 2021. Wow. Um, so it's just been what a wild once in a lifetime experience for starting a new role completely yeah. remotely as this pandemic is raging. But I have loved it. I've loved every second. It's such an incredible company and it really is employee first. I feel that so strongly. The voice of the employee is really heard. Um, Our CEO, all of the execs in the C-suite are so accessible and so um, just you always know they're listening. And I think that's something that's incredible. When it comes to this time, we call it the great reshuffle with employees resigning and moving around and looking for places that align with their values. Knowing that your leadership is listening to you is critical. Yeah. And I think, you know, uh, just being very active on the platform and really liking LinkedIn and getting a lot out of it, I think you can feel that on the platform. You know, on all the other social platforms that I won't mention by name, I feel like you can feel the monetization coming at you. And I feel like LinkedIn, it's a very encouraging, very generous space. Is that something that's intentional? I love that you say that. I like to say LinkedIn is a platform of generosity. It's a place to think we before me. And I think, Steve, what you're capturing is that vibe, that feeling that 
at the center of LinkedIn, it is about connecting people to opportunity, economic opportunity. And that is the ethos that our members bring. And I think that's something that is so critical to maintaining a platform that feels like a discussion, that feels conversational and not like broadcast. Yeah. And uh, it honestly feels that way. And I've made some incredible connections that are now friends or people I'm working with. And you know, it's an amazing platform, and I I feel like you all take great care with it. I feel like I feel like you're not just racing for the dollar; you're actually trying to build a real community, and that means a lot to the users. So, thank you. Yeah, it's absolutely critical. Yeah, it's a big deal. So, you you worked one other place, and maybe you still work there. I think you work with uh, Chief, mm-hmm. and it's a private network for powerful women, and I th- I'd say you're one of those. And uh, what can you tell me about that experience, what it's done for you? Yeah, so it's been incredible. Chief was started, I want to say, three years ago, really as a place for women to connect. And over the last three years, it has been such an incredible way to meet other women who are at different stages in their lives and their careers and to connect with just incredible opportunity. They bring in amazing speakers. Michelle Obama is coming in, I think, next week. So that to look forward to, but it's been really, really great. And just to have that network of peers to talk to, to run things by, to sound off with, it's been incredible. It really has been amazing. And I think these spaces uh, popping up all over the place, I see it as a really good thing. It's an um, important to connect to community with people who you might find things in common with. Yeah, I think that's key, especially post-pandemic, or maybe we're still current, pan- we are current pandemic, semi-post-pandemic, we'll say it that way. I've, I feel like that desire for connection and authentic- authenticity and in sharing and supporting each other is so much stronger than it was before. Yeah, absolutely. At Chief, we used to have what was called core groups, and it was you and a group of your peers come together in person. And during the pandemic, that changed to be virtual. And everybody has actually found, you know, I I would find myself sitting there in my sweatpants, eating my dinner. And I was like, this is great. This is actually how I want to be doing this. I'm so much comfortable. I don't have all my bags from work. And I think that the shift that has happened in connecting us all digitally, virtually has been really important in fostering an even closer connection. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, you know, we've all obviously met in person, you know, with groups and at conventions and in all sorts of different ways, but there's an intimacy that's developed, uh, you know, by necessity out of how we've communicated with the, during the pandemic. And, you know, this podcast came out of that because I really missed having one-on-one conversations with people I admire, people I wanted to talk to. And, you know, so here I am today talking to you, and this is a blast. Well, it's funny because I find that way when I interview CMOs or talk to very high-profile executives, being in the home really humanizes them. Yeah, Seeing the pictures of their family, seeing someone had once a board game behind them that was framed and just these different things that give you that insight into the human. I think that is really special. It levels the playing field in a way that if I had had to go through security and registration and wait outside in the lobby for their assistant to come get me to take me to their office that felt very corporate, it would be really different. Yeah, and I think it changes their behavior and you get rid of that theater of business 
the, all the trappings and all of a sudden it's a person talking to a person and you have a different kind of conversation. Yeah. It's like the conversation is in the living room. Yeah. It feels that way too. I think that's been one of the, one of the silver linings of this whole thing. I totally agree. So I've been following your content for a while and I'm a huge fan of how you do content. I think anyone that is out there listening to this and would like to see how to do content well, please follow Callie. The endorsement goes both ways. Oh, thank you. There was something that you wrote about learning and how you learned when you were a kid. So what does the phrase keep at it mean to you? And how did your third grade teacher change your life? This post was actually something that it just kind of poured out of me. And it is one of my most viewed and engaged with posts of all time. And I think that's such a testament to the power of authenticity on LinkedIn. I talked about the fact that I had really struggled in third grade with reading comprehension and I had fallen behind. I'd had surgery the year before and had really been out in that critical time in second grade where you're advancing as a reader. And yet I found that I absolutely loved to write, loved to write. And I would write all of these stories outside of school. And I had a teacher, Miss McCormick, who I am still trying to find, track down and find. So if anybody knows Kathleen McCormick, call me. Um, and she would give me this feedback. And it was funny because my mom has saved everything that I've ever written, everything. And I would read these stories and I would see her comments throughout. And Miss McCormick was tough, right? Like I was in third grade and there would be times where she'd be like, this is totally unrealistic. Why would she leave the house without a suitcase? And I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Like it was my first editor. And it was amazing because she would end these long notes at the end. And keep in mind, these would be 11 pages of handwriting or anything. And she would end with overall feedback, usually some criticism. And then she would say, keep at it. And I think about that as such a metaphor and a driving force for every single day in our lives. That idea of just keep at it, keep at it. Not every day, not every piece of writing, not every piece of content, not every conversation is going to be exactly how you want it to be, but keep at it. Think with the growth mindset. That's great. And I think that you know, an influence like that early and that post that you shared, I'll always remember your post because that was at a time where, you know, when you're on LinkedIn, you maybe are are a little hesitant to, to share a personal story. And I read your post and it just like opened a gate for me. I was like, oh, well, this is a safe place where you can tell your story. I love that. You know, you can be honest about things that happen to you and share them because other people can learn from them. It's funny. I'll give you a little sneak peek of a post that I have been thinking about. I also have a post-it here of all the post ideas I have that I need to post at some point. Um, so for the last three, maybe four years, uh, my husband and I have had these five-minute journals. So gratitude journals. Yeah. Have you heard of this? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So it's it's like an actual template that you fill out. And the last question that you answer at night is, how could I have made today even better? And we've been doing this for three years, okay? And we just got our latest notebooks. And the last question now says, what did I learn today? And it's been such a huge switch for me. Because when you think about it, looking back on your day, what could I have done even better? It's like, 
bring on all of the regret, yeah, right? right? Bring on all the things I should have done. I shouldn't have said, I should have this, I should have that. And I have found it to be such an interesting mindset switch where now it's actually looking forward instead of looking back. I've been thinking about posting this on LinkedIn and how it's still kind of formulating in my head, but this idea that there is so much power in that kind of forward-looking reflection as opposed to harping on what can't be changed. You know, I, I'll look forward to that post when you get to it. And I think that perspective is is really powerful. I think just that little bit of a switch, it's almost like the phrase, keep at it. Yes. You know, about when you're future focused and you're always learning and you're reminding yourself of that, because you're right, the, that other question makes you think, what did I not get right today? Yeah. And oh, yeah. That's what that's, you know, if that's where you're living in your head, it's not the best place to be sometimes. Yeah, absolutely right. That's really powerful. I'm so glad you shared that. That's so cool. I, I will look forward to seeing when you write that. So how important is writing to you today? I know you have a really busy life with your new role and everything, but do you still put a lot of energy into writing? You know, it's so interesting that you asked this because Marketer Must Read, which is my, or was, but is coming back, my weekly newsletter featuring CMOs from companies ranging from Google and Microsoft to Peloton, DoorDash, and TikTok, that for me was the most amazing vehicle I've ever had for writing. And the reason why is because I have always been committed to using my platform and my voice to elevate others, finding ways to really put the spotlight on people and their stories. And something that made Marketer Must Read unique is that it was the same 10 questions every week. Yeah, so Everyone answered the same questions. One of the things I loved was seeing the trends across different executives, the CMO of Microsoft, for example, and the CMO of uh, BlackRock. What do they have in common? Where What is something interesting about their origin story? And I say it was because when I moved into this new role as global creator programs lead, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it all. And I, I wanted to. And what's interesting is that, and I think there's probably a LinkedIn post in this too, which is that if I were advising somebody else, I would have said, you cannot abandon your community. You need to post something that says, hey, this is on hiatus. And I haven't done that. And it's been, it's such an interesting block because it's actually what's kept me motivated to come back is hearing people say, hey, whatever happened to, right? And I hate the phrase whatever happened to, because I, I like to think like as your like your boss, if your boss says to you whatever happened to, it means like you dropped a ball. So I I I think about whatever happened to, but I will say that I am currently working on some that I will be bringing back. So I don't know if I'll be doing a weekly cadence, but I know that this platform is valuable and the work that I want to do in life is be generous and be elevating other voices. So it will be coming back. Breaking news. Good. Well, that is great breaking news because I think there's a lot of fans of, of Marketers Must Read and I think I've read all of them. And, uh, you know, even if the cadence changes, if it's a once a month or if it's a once a quarter, whatever it is, you're a really great storyteller. And, you know, I think people who are storytellers have to tell stories no matter if their roles change. So I won't speak for your entire community. I'll just speak for me. Uh, but, I, you know, whatever cadence works for you works for us, I think. 
Thank you. Well, every single member of the community is so important. That's something that's been really special is like I hit publish and then I can't wait to see the conversation that it sparks and how can we also foster the humanity of people who are at a, a level in their career that is so senior that you might think that they were unapproachable or unaccessible. And they're not. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, we had we have a couple guests in common that I actually didn't I didn't actually didn't know that you know we we were going to have some of the same guests. But I think, you know, some of the people that I've had on the podcast are just the nicest, most down-to-earth people like Patricia Corsi, who's the global CMO for Bear, is probably one of the nicest, most sincere, sweetest people I've ever met. Yeah. She's amazing. So, yeah. and it's, you know, I connected with her by maybe following you. I don't even know how we became connected and started commenting on each other's posts. And I asked her and she's like, yeah, I'd love to. And then I went back and read your interview with her and like, it's just a really cool thing. And I think, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to follow up on that you said that is really important to me too, is telling other people's stories and giving time just to honor their story. You know, my idea with this podcast was someone inspired by your work. And I don't know if you know that. So no. I wanted to tell you that. Yeah. So Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I think there's a lot of self-promotion. It's like people who sell on LinkedIn. They're just relentless about trying to get you to buy something. And I think the art of just telling people stories is something that needs to come back. And it's, it's an act of generosity and it's an act of being actually interested. And, you know, you're not just trying to get your value proposition in every other word, you know? Yeah. So sometimes so not being about you is actually the best thing you can do. Totally. And it's interesting because a lot of people say to me, what should I say on LinkedIn? I, I'm that interesting. I don't know anything. Right. And I always say that you are an expert in your own life story and you can help others through telling that. But I also think about content on LinkedIn in really four categories. One being knowledge. You are sharing what you know. You are sharing yourself as a curator. You are sharing yourself as someone who just listened to a podcast that everybody needs to listen to, somebody who is pointing people to something based on a personal recommendation. Then I think about opportunity, right? This is what LinkedIn is really well known for. This is, hey, I've seen a job or, hey, there's an opportunity to mentor somebody through going through this program, right? That is like, you'll see that everywhere. Then there is community bringing people together, finding ways in which you can use your knowledge or expertise to bring people into community with each other in a conversation. And then lastly, I always say amplification. It's about other people, putting the spotlight on other people. That is what generosity is. And I, I like to say there's a halo effect too, right? Just by posting, hey, I'm so proud of this awesome person who just was interviewed here. It's like, you know that awesome person, right? And now that awesome person is also like, hey, this is great. This is really cool. They they promoted me, right? And I think that's so important. The idea of just having champions, no matter who they are, what level they are, where you find them in your career. Yeah, I agree. And I think part of it that I've learned from a lot of people like you on LinkedIn, uh, you know, Jay Harrington, a bunch of other people who, you know, Jay talks about the abundance mindset. Yeah. And one of the things that I think is so important is not to have a goal. And, you know, we go through life and business having so many goals. But when you're meeting people, and especially when you're interviewing someone, not having an agenda 
is so important. Like you don't want an end result. That's not what, so if you're networking or if you're meeting people and you're making relationships, just, just enjoy making relationships and see what happens later. Yes. And it's so interesting. I quit my job when I was 29. I had a C-suite title. I was working at an awesome company. I had everything on paper. And one of the things I realized is that I didn't know who I was without my job title. I didn't know who I was. You mentioned time, right? Callie from time. Was I getting invited places because I was Callie from time? Or was I getting invited places because I was Callie? I didn't know. I didn't know. And that was something that I had the incredible privilege of having built up the financial stability to quit my job and say, I need to figure out who I am outside my job title. And one of the most important things that I found was that the people who are there for you, regardless of your status, your title, your position, what you can give them, those are the true connections in life who matter. Those are the relationships worth investing in. Yeah, that's a great point and something to keep in mind as you move forward through your career. And good for you for having the guts to do that because I think a lot of times, you know, when you're ambitious or you're talented, you start to get involved in doing things. You feel good when you get promoted. And there are times, though, you end up somewhere where you're like, is this really me? Absolutely. Is this really what I want? So good for you for asking those questions. I think that's going on a lot with people right now. And, you know, they're using the LinkedIn profile to work that out and, you know, the, the entire ecosystem to work that out. So let's talk a little bit about the Global Creators Program because it's relatively new, right? And I, I'm sure you, you started with it just this past fall. Is that right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's a big change. So what, tell me, tell me about the program and how you're involved and how, what change that's brought to you. Yeah. So creators have always been at the center of LinkedIn ecosystem in the way that they are in any other social platform, right? You, you want to make connections. You want to be following people, connecting with other people, but for the first time this past year, I guess it's now 2022. So for the first time in 2021, we set up an official team at LinkedIn called the community management team where we work one-to-one -one with creators just like you. Steve, I'm realizing if you don't have a contact on your our team, we need I, to make that happen. I don't, I would love uh, one. <laughs> oh, okay, well, you got an in, you know someone. Good, yeah, because I because I take LinkedIn very seriously. I know most, you do, most I of know. Our con most of my content goes there because I just love the platform. I love it, it's what I like to hear. Uh, but, but the idea here is really if we provide you and other creators with support and coaching and resources, you can take your career to the next level. You can take your life to the next level in whatever way you want, right? Maybe you don't want to become a full-time content creator and leave your corporate position or something, but we have the power to connect people to each other and connect them to opportunity. I, I and my team can work with you to tell your story such that you're putting your best foot forward. That's something that I think is so important. Um, when you mentioned the program, so I run our Creator Accelerator program, which is currently a 100 person incubator style 10 week program where people have been pitching specific ideas and then they work on that project over the course of 10 weeks. Wow. Um, yes. And, and it's been amazing to see. We're five weeks in and it's just been incredible. But this is really a microcosm of the work we want to be doing on a global scale, which is supporting and investing in creators who are what make LinkedIn so special. Yeah. Well, good for you all for forming 
that entire team program. And I'm glad you're a part of it because your energy will certainly, you know, shine through that. And I think your generosity of spirit will come through it as well. That's a really cool thing to do because, you know, the company and everyone realizing the creators of the backbone, I think is really important. And then just, you know, when you're encouraging other people to succeed, it's that rising tide floats all boats. It's good for the platform. It's good for the people who connect with the creator. It's good for the creator themselves. That's really smart. So how has that changed your day to day? What's your, what are, I know you've had a lot of change going on. What's it looking like for you now? So My role as the senior marketing editor used to be all about content creation and cultivating, curating the voices of the marketing community. Now I'm focused on all communities and I love that. And I'm thinking 24 seven about connecting creators to opportunity, whether that's through something within LinkedIn, like LinkedIn learning or a LinkedIn brand campaign, or whether it's connecting them through uh, opportunity externally outside the platform. And I think that that has been a major shift in my day in the sense that I'm building something, right? I am now working with an amazing team that is in seven countries, I think we're in now. And we are working to support creators all over the world. And that's something that I think is fundamentally different when it comes to my day, because there is a very, uh, it's an ambitious remit, right? It's a very ambitious remit. And how do you make that happen? You make it happen through collaboration, talking to colleagues all day, all around the world. And that's something that is different than when I was working on the marketing beat and just writing weekly articles and working on different briefings and things like that. Yeah. Well, that must be just a exciting, super challenging time for you because your world went from specific to really, you know, it's in your title, but global. Yeah. Like, so now you're thinking about all kinds of different industries and creators and different countries and areas and how people communicate. That's yeah. I, no wonder you've been busy. And something so critical there is bringing a local approach to everything you do, right? There is no one size fits all. So how are we making sure that when we run a program in Brazil or in India or in France, that it feels authentic and organic to the region and not like something that has been copied and pasted into a region from somewhere else? That's really smart because certainly that local feel and that the, the way people communicate and just the accepted customs of networking and how they do it are different everywhere. So that's just another layer of what you need to think about on a daily basis. So I'm really excited for you. It's very entrepreneurial too. You know, it's funny. I've always said I'm an intrapreneur. Yeah. (laughs) I am someone who goes into companies and works entrepreneurially. And I love that. Whenever I interview people for this team, I talk about the opportunity to be an intrapreneur. You are building something inside a huge company. How would you work in an environment like that? Yeah. Right. And and I love people where when I tell them that their eyes light up and they have the example of either t- sometime they've done something similar or why they want to lean into an opportunity like that now. That's really cool. I, it must be a really exciting department to work in and good for you all. I, I hope it continues to do as well as I, I've seen it doing. You can really see some results coming out of it. Um, so you're a very experienced content marketer, I know, because, because your role in content marketing led you to this. I think you're probably always thinking content marketing. 
But what has had the most impact in your perspective as a con- con- content marketer or as a storyteller? Yeah, it's interesting. I identify as a storyteller, a journalist, a content creator, and not so much a content marketer. Something that I always have thought about is how do I help people get the news that they don't know they need? When I was an intern at People Magazine back back in the day, I remember thinking, this magazine is so powerful. Why? Because you might have Kate Middleton on the front, on the cover. That's what makes people buy it at the newsstand. But inside, you have critical news about global affairs that is crucial for people to know. That is extremely powerful. And whenever I've had a job, whether it was at Time or Thrive Global or Vox Media, I was always focused on distribution and thinking about how do we meet people where they are? And I think that's something that has always been true in my role here at LinkedIn as well, which is how am I showing up for people every day? And whether that's internally or externally on the platform, it's something that's really important to me. Well, that's a great motivator. And I think your point is really well taken. You know, I think the world of content, you know, thinking thinking of yourself as a content creator and a storyteller and a journalist, you know, the word content and using it the way they way people use it as content marketer, content this, really the best content creators are people who are story, storytellers, former journalists, writers. You know, I've had a lot of writers and copywriters and writers on the podcast because I just love how they do storytelling. And, you know, so so I think that background probably makes you endlessly curious as well. Yes, a forever student. That is what I always say. And and it's interesting because I speak to a lot of journalism students. And one of the things I always say is there is no such thing as a journalism student or we are all student journalists. Right. This idea that. When you're doing journalist, you're a journalist, right? You're you're actively practicing the craft every single day. And so either we are all on the spectrum of learning as we go, right? Which we definitely are, or we can all be seen as credible and and reliable as we build up a portfolio. Yeah, I I think that's fascinating. And then also I think something that's happened you know, in the last, you know, maybe five or 10 years, and especially with the pandemic, is everyone's become a little bit of a personal journalist and a, and a content creator. So even when people are joining LinkedIn, they might be intimidated to start telling stories. But it's those techniques of storytelling and writing that sto- they it sort of starts to catch on and they get better and better at it. So what do you see people doing right in content creation, what are some of the mistakes you see that you wish you could just tell people, like, you know, <laughs> like relax on this or think about that a little differently? What are those things that you see really commonly? I think people who bring authenticity to a business lens is something that is so interesting and successful. Over the last two years with COVID, I think LinkedIn has really changed in that now all workplaces have understood that personal and professional are completely intertwined. You are your whole human. And people want to work at places that recognize people as whole humans and not just this is my professional self and this is my personal self. And I think that something that's really powerful is that we've seen that happening on the platform. That's where that idea of generosity comes in. I think it's so important. What I would say doesn't work is one using too many hashtags whenever people post like a thousand hashtags i'm like no you don't need to do that that. 
don't need to do that. Um, and I will say like, personally, I use like usually three to four. That's just my personal preference, just in case anybody wants to know how many to use. Um, but I would say the people who do things best are experimenting. They're experimenting with different platforms. They're understanding that not every post is going to be a hit. The top people on the platform, the LinkedIn influencers with millions of followers, not every post is a hit, right? You have to sort of get a sense of what works for you, what's comfortable. And I think that's something that Mita Malik, who's the head of DEI at Carta, really does well is she tests, she learns, and she sees everything as the opportunity for growth. Yeah. I follow Mita and her content is amazing. So yeah. is there any piece of advice that you've either been given or that you've given to creators that really sticks with you? Think about how you would receive it or how you would see it. So when I when people ask me about the right number of people to tag, the right number of hashtags, the right vibe, the vo right voice, things like that, I'm like, imagine this came across your feed. How would you feel about it, right? Would you think that's spammy or that feels forced or that feels really inauthentic? If that's the case, other people reading it really will too. And I think that that's something that's important to think through is like, there's always that advice of like, what would you tell a friend like in your situation? What would you counsel a friend to do, right? What would you counsel someone who was posting this who's not you to do, right? You would encourage them to be authentic and to really bring that organic self to the forefront. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a lot of good people modeling that you included. And I think that it's a it's an interesting thing because you talked about being the whole human on LinkedIn. And honestly, that's what I've seen work. And that's what I try to do. I think it's you do it very successfully. And a great example of that is you'll have a post where you're teaching something or explaining something. And then you'll have the post where you talked about your experience with your third grade teacher. And that's, you know, it's a very rounded, well-rounded perspective. And you're being very you. And I think that's once you people relax and start to do that, I think it's really powerful. Yes, absolutely. I'm so grateful for LinkedIn every day. Yeah, it's not a it's really an unusual place. It's much different than I think people think it is. And uh, it's not a very like aggressive, selly place. I really feel like people get a lot of support on the platform. It's really great to see. Totally. Platform of generosity. Yeah, it really is. It's pretty cool. Um, so you you've really done a lot of leadership over the years and I know your role now is a leadership role. Um, so what, what do you think has had the most impact on you to that you bring to leadership? What has really guided your approach? What's interesting is my approach to leadership changed when I quit my job because up until I quit my job, my career was the only thing. It was me. I was it. I had nothing else no hobbies, no nothing. It was like work 24 seven. And then when I quit my job and went to figure out who I was outside of these things, that's when I met my now husband. That's when I started doing work and meeting people that was fulfilling me beyond belief, gaining confidence in me as Callie, as opposed to me as job title. That I think has had a huge impact on my perspective and the way I lead. Because now I see that what's outside of work is is actually what makes you great at work. Having that time to unplug and reflect those trips, right? Vacation, 
family, spending time with people you love, taking time to do something that you are interested in, pursuing a hobby, making that time. That's something that I really encourage my team to do as well. It's like, make sure you're making time for you because that is absolutely critical. There's that cheesy saying about put on your own oxygen mask first, but it's absolutely true. And I think that as a leader, once I realized that a rich life outside of work was actually key to becoming a better employee, a better leader, that was something that I now have such a better understanding of the value of what goes on in someone's life beyond work. Yeah, and I think that's an invaluable thing to discover. Some people never learn it. And, you know, I think the pandemic has accelerated that perspective. But, you know, when you, I, I think there's a lot, I've known a lot of people and I've been there myself where you think, oh, you know, work means to work all the time and be successful. And, you know, whether you're after the brass ring or the promotion or money or whatever it is, title, you, you know, I love what you said about it's, you know, the things you do outside of work, the vacations, the personal experiences, family make you who you are. And that's the value you bring to your role. Yeah. It's absolutely right. It's not just the work you put in during work hours, you know? So, absolutely. Yeah, that's great to hear. And I hope uh, people that, are, that listen to this really take that to heart. Because I think, you know, what I've seen even with the pandemic with our staff is the, you know, we're, we're like completely hybrid now. You can come and go as you please. You make your own schedule, whatever you feel like doing. And people are more productive. They feel better. They, you know, we're always encouraging each other to go take a walk or take a break or do something else. And, you know, it's just a really important thing to think about. Yeah. And to normalize that. Yeah. To advertise it. I think with technology like Slack, it can feel very uh, easy to think I must be at my computer at all times. Right. Like. For me, flexibility is the fact that I love doing puzzles. That's a pandemic hobby of mine. And if I have like 15 minutes between meetings and I'm kind of at this moment of like, my brain just needs to like, all right, I'll go sit and do some puzzling. And that, like, that is the flexibility that working from home and working in this new way really allows. And I think that it's really important that people are upfront about what that is for them. Yeah, I I think that's incredibly important. I've talked to a few other guests about that. Um, You know, knowing what works for you and then actually doing it intentionally is so key to being successful. Because if you're not happy, you're not going to be successful. So, you know, for, uh, what I've discovered is I, I have to go take walks. I love taking nature walks, and we have a ton of nature around us. So every day while I'm working, I go take a walk, and sometimes two. And sometimes I'll do phone calls while I'm walking in the woods. There's no difference between the value I can bring to someone, whether I'm walking or sitting behind a desk, you know? So I just think, like, giving yourself permission to figure out what works for you is very powerful. Yeah, it's funny. I often think... Sometimes the best, most effective my brain is, is when I'm on a call for work and folding laundry. And the reason why is because it's not the Zoom fatigue, right? I'm not like looking at the screen, staring at the little box of myself, wondering, is this person, what's this person thinking? Instead, I'm doing something mindfully, but it's just this part of my brain, right? It's not my eyes. It's not everything. And I've loved that as a learning. Yeah. I think, you know, we're meant to move through space and do things with our bodies and sitting artificially in front of a computer is not the healthiest thing for you to do for huge stretches of time. And I, I had someone with, who you might not know, Kedron Crosby, who's with Work Wisdom Company in Pennsylvania, who helps people, 
you know, balance work and, and work on work culture. And she talked about instead of work-life balance, it's about work-life integration. And I, you know, I think that's why the reshuffling is so large because I think companies that don't embrace that are going to find that maybe employees don't want to be there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think of it as work-life harmony. Something important to remember about harmony is that the scales will always tilt, right? Like in that spirit of there is no balance. Sometimes your work life will require more of you. Sometimes your personal life will require more of you, right? It's like the impact of the notes. And I think that that's something that really drives me as well is knowing that if you work somewhere where you can have that give and take and work with people, colleagues, a boss who understands that, it's so critical. Yeah, it feels great. And I think it's better for you psychologically and emotionally and everything. If you give a lot of power to either side, like if you're doing something in the kitchen and you need to answer a work text, sometimes it's just be like, okay, this is part of my life. I'll answer this and then I'll get back to what I was doing. When you're trying to resist and keep things perfectly centered, it's very, very difficult. So I think the, I think the, uh, the move towards flexibility we've all had to embrace is really, there's some real positives there. I totally agree. Yeah. So and platforms like LinkedIn really make it, make it, uh, you know, having community, even when you're, uh, you know, behind a computer screen really works. So I have a question for you that I just want you to finish a sentence. If you weren't the LinkedIn global creators lead, what would you do? What would you be? Oh, I will admit, I remember that you sent me this question in advance and I looked at it and thought, Oh, that's hard. Let me think about it. And then was like scared to think about it. Um, You know, it's funny, I grew up loving musical theater and did all of the musicals at school and went to a sleepaway camp called Stage Door Manor, performing arts for uh, six weeks, several years. Um, So I think there is a world in which I might be a performer or some kind of, I don't know, newscaster or something. Uh, And otherwise, maybe running a media company maybe <laughs> sure i don't know yeah. maybe i that. could see you do i could see you doing all of those things you know what's interesting is everything you named comes back to being a storyteller in yeah, some way shape absolutely. or form absolutely absolutely yeah, that's interesting cuz i have a theater background too oh interesting I a, yeah i was a theater director and studied theater and directed tons of plays and taught improv theater and you know toured an improv group and all these things so my entire approach both to business because you know we have a marketing company and to my podcast is just storytelling yeah like it's what i love i can't not do it so i always know i'm doing the perfect thing when i just can't not do it you know and i just i just love stories and i love learning about everyone's story is so unique and has so much to offer all of us. It's just fascinating. Yeah. I remember when I was 17, I decided I wanted to be a journalist. And it was one of those things where I was thinking musical theater, journalism. And I realized that I did not want to stay up till 2 a.m. pounding the pavement to be on Broadway. I wanted to be sitting in a computer writing an article, right? Writing a story. And that that was what drove me finding the truth. Good for you. And don't you come from a line of writers in some way too? I do. Yes. My mom is a historian and has written over 40 books. 
So I grew up under an incredible writer and editor. Yeah. So full disclosure for people who listen to this podcast, uh, Callie's mom, Kate Kelly, was one of our guests about probably like a year ago. And I follow her all the time. She is one of the most prolific historical writers. She's amazing. And she's such a nice person. She's so cool. Like I had such a good time talking with her. And that's, by the way, a great example of how, how powerful LinkedIn is. Absolutely. Because I just wanted to tell you this. I, I connected with Kate and I was following her and interacting with her. And for the longest time, I mean, really long time until she was coming on the podcast, I had absolutely no idea you all were related. Yeah. Which is so cool. Awesome. Yeah, I just love that because I love how you know you tend to connect with people that other people are connected with, and you just meet you just meet the most fascinating people. So I have uh, two last questions for you, and then I'll let you get back to your very busy day. So what do you think? You know, either around LinkedIn or around storytelling or anything, you know, around creating content. What is a must read for you? What would you recommend people read or listen to? I love. Uh, the Information's Creator Economy newsletter. Uh, it's written by a woman named Kaya, who is a fantastic journalist, and it is just short enough that it's a quick read. And yet I do find I always want to click in on a few links. I also love a newsletter called Big Spaceship, which someone had recommended to me. And it's really a fun curation of culture. Uh, and then The Future Party, which was recommended to me by the VP of Marketing at Homie, Matt Kerbel. He had mentioned it in his Marketer Must Read as a must read. And I love those three. I read them every single day. Wow, that's so cool. We'll put links to those yes, uh, on your landing page for this. Just because I, I don't know any of those and now yeah. I just learned that. And that's probably one of my favorite things about doing the podcast. I get to learn things like that from, from wonderful people like you. And the, so thank you for the tips. So last question. If you could give your younger self any advice, what would it be? You know, it's funny. A mentor at Time Inc. gave me advice that I think about all the time. And she said, to most people, I would say, impatience is a virtue. And to you, I would say, patience is a virtue. And she meant it in the spirit that I was always getting ahead of myself, right? It was always about what's the next job? What's the next project? What's the next thing? How am I advancing? And I thought that it was such a beautiful way of saying, be patient it will happen, it will come. And I think about that a lot because there are times in all of our lives where it's like, come on, let's go, right? And I have to remember for me, patience is a virtue and that's important. That's a great message. And I think um, good for you for incorporating that into your experience. Cause I think, you know, a lot of us can rush forward and try to make things happen so quickly. We sort of, you know, forget to enjoy the experience along the way too. Yes. Living in the present. Yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. So thank you so much for being here today. I've had such a great time talking to you and good luck with the global creators program. This has been just wonderful. And uh, thank you so much for spending the time talking to me today. Thank you, Steve. So great to be here. Want to hear more inspiring stories? Subscribe on your preferred podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you like what we're doing, please rate, review, and share. It's the best way to support us. Thank you for listening to Brand Story. Thank you.